0: Sports Clicks and Politics, Welcome to episode 117 of Sports Clicks and Politics. I am all discombobulated back here behind the uh, buttons, uh, Mr. Song, and uh, I apologize for all those playing at home for... Any technical glitches? We have a couple uh, uh, video delays, as I'm guessing most people will be able to see here, but very late start to the show because I haven't been able to figure this out. Mr. Hughesong, thank you for joining us uh, to this uh, so far eventful uh, version of uh, Sports Clicks and Politics. Uh, thank you for your uh, patience.
1: Not our best start ever, but that's okay.
0: Uh, no, I have a... and Maybe I, it doesn't look like the video is actually working all that well, so I'm just going to throw up a... Uh, screen here for the time, just our backdrop here, because people are not going to want to deal with me, uh, or us in slow motion as my guest here. So, um, wow, terrible start. Sorry. But thank you guys for joining us uh, for all of those at home. Uh, hopefully you guys will be okay without, uh, our beautiful faces and maybe our soothing voices will uh, suffice today for the uh, show. But, uh, until, unless I figure out something, uh, in the meantime here, we're going to be probably mostly audio only anyway but how was your weekend good did you are you regretting moving away from buffalo
1: <laughs> no i'm not ah <laughs> oh, god our our house in buffalo was right in the middle of oh, it, was so, it oh yeah we would have been buried it would have been six seven feet six easily.
0: feet plus now like yep. 80 inches that i see over like something like 36 hours
1: wild my in-laws still live there and they were they were buried so God bless them, they're doing all right now, they're better, but yeah, it was uh it it's bad yeah. that, when you go through those those are those are yeah. something
0: which is great because most people who don't, aren't aware of how lake effect snow works there's these i say narrow bands, I mean some of them can be pretty wide in real life, but narrow bands in the grand scheme of things where certain stretches of Areas are just getting pounded by like four or five inches an hour. And you can drive like an hour south or north and there's zero nothing.
1: You don't even got to drive an hour. You could drive 15 minutes to the north and you would see grass. Yeah, like
0: that's cra- the yeah, I saw I saw some of my Western New York friends showing pictures of their green grass. They're like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Right. Like, but, yeah, so it's crazy where, and it's, it's so concentrated because, you know, the wind just picks up all that moisture, just freaking drops it straight over the same, you know, as long as the winds maintained their same direction, the snow maintains its same pounding. It's so places like, like, I said, Orchard Park got something like 80 inches. Obviously moving the Bills game yeah. to Detroit, a home away from home, yeah, apparently. Plus. Do you think they came home, or do you think they're just staying there for the four days? No,
1: I think they came home. If I'm not Why? mistaken, I think I read that. So they could see their family sleep in their own beds for a couple of days, and then they'll travel out again on Thursday.
0: I mean, I know it's a short flight and all, but, I mean, it seems foolish, as you guys maybe don't know, but the Bills play in Detroit again on Thursday, on Thursday Thanksgiving. So back-to-back uh, weirdness, I, that's, I don't know. I don't
1: know. Listen, I didn't make the decision. But they, uh, they all got to make the call. But if you were an NFL player and you were in Detroit, would you want to sleep in a hotel for those couple of days? Would you want to take the quick three-hour flight back to Buffalo and go sleep in? I your mean,
0: downstairs? I guess. I mean, if because it, I mean, it wasn't like they didn't know though this was happening, so they could have planned like three days of like, hey, let's get the family going together and everybody get out there or whatever. Well,
1: I listen, they didn't have time to plan anything. Like they found out Thursday at like four o'clock that this game was getting moved to Detroit. That's when the decision came down. So then instead of doing any planning, they're all trying to dig themselves out of their houses. And God bless the city of good neighbors where all these people just came over and dug out all the Bills players out of their houses so they could make the flight. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I don't know. Do you have any specific game uh, things about the Bills? Another uh, victory for the Bills? Yeah.
1: They ran the ball. I had Devin Son Singletary in
0: my fantasy uh, team. play this I week. had him and Gabe Davis. I was going away from the Josh Allen, Steph Diggs was very popular play. So yeah. I was like, eh, I never really take the most popular play because it kind of puts you in a uphill, like you're We're always curious. fighting against the same people, like cause everybody has the same lineup. So, so yeah, it was, uh, 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 so it wasn't a great cashing out for me, but I did embrace the running game in hopes that, uh that it would work out, and it, it worked out okay.
1: They learned something, yeah. which is they put a game away by just running the ball the entire second half, and they ran it through the Browns, which and, and good for uh, James Cook and Devin Singletary. They both ran very effectively, uh, and they just put the game out of reach. So by the time that the Browns came down, and I find it so hard to not cheer for Jacoby Brissett. He's been around. Hard. He's been around. I know. It's just he seems like such a good dude, and he's he's just good enough but not quite that good. And so he's driving them down. They score a touchdown. They get the extra point. The Bills get the onside kick, and then that's the game. But that's what I mean. Like, by being able to run the ball that efficiently, even if you don't score every time, it burns up all the clock, and it puts the pressure on the other team. So it was great to see the Bills win a game that way.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I, I usually feel like the teams, the other teams are trying to do that because they know the Bills are – you know, high potent, so they're going to try to run the ball, but I don't know. Not that, you know, the Bills should be able to outscore anybody, so. But well, I do I feel think- like having even the threat of a running attack, at least, you know, you have to commit a little bit of whatever to the to the idea that they're going to run the ball, and you can't just overly commit to the pass, but, but yeah. I don't know. Any other uh, NFL uh, hot takes?
1: Um, No, the Jets combined for two yards of total offense in the second half against the Patriots. That's amazing. I mean, there
0: was a bunch of ugly games. I remember, like a halftime, there was wasn't the Baltimore Carolina game like three three, and the New York the Jets. England or both, it was three three for a while. Both was those game games of where quarter, like they were like they're just yeah. terrible. Yeah, so um,
1: look, I'm all for you can have good defense, but under the current rules of the NFL, if you total two yards of offense and a half, that is not a credit to the defense. That is incompetence on the part of the offense, pure and simple. It's not possible that you should have that little offense and a half.
0: I guess. You guess. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, they're not great. So, like, I get your point. Like, they're not you know offensive tools. But you know, there's always a defense out there.
1: Uh, Yeah, there is. There is, and the defense that's basically handicapped by the current rules of what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do, all in meant to favor the offense. I mean, there is no steel curtain anymore. There is no early 2000 Ravens like this just it doesn't happen anymore because the, the rules, rules are set there. up to favor the offense there's no more like Hines Ward couldn't play professional football today because he made an entire career crack back blocking defensive backs I mean he caught a lot of balls uh, he hit more people than he caught balls let's just be real all right that was why he was out there you could have gotten a lot of people to catch as well as him you couldn't find anybody that could knock people unconscious as a wide receiver as well as Hines Ward did and listen I'm not faulting the guy it was legal then it was encouraged it was lauded and he made guy he got paid for it cuz the pay, the Steelers were going to run a ball down your throat and he was going to just level people because everybody was so used to the defensive guys leveling the wide receiver and he was like the one offensive guy getting back in vengeance and coming back and just if you were the unsuspecting linebacker chasing that running back he was launching 2 feet in a helmet right at you and taking you out He also caught a lot of footballs. I'm I'm not arguing that, but a lot of guys catch a lot of footballs. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: what you're describing kind of separated him from other wide receivers who caught a lot of footballs. So he caught a lot of footballs, and he did all those things.
1: And he did all those things. If he, like, this is what I mean. By today's standards, I'm not sure he has the longevity that he has because there's other people that could catch and run routes as well as him. But there was nobody that was knocking people out like he did. Nobody.
0: Yeah. Any not other an offense? Any other uh, takeaways from the uh, NFL week?
1: Um, not really. I'm I'm excited for the game in Mexico City, and I think should be a good one. I might even watch it. We'll see. Um, the Chiefs are really good. It was good to see the Bills get a win. Uh the Giants stumbled mightily. That was surprising. Um,
0: yeah. Which is more surprising, that or the Cowboys' annihilation of the Vikings?
1: I mean, that was shocking. Holy goodness.
0: I mean. Minnesota had looked pretty good. You know, we had talked about them not, not knowing if they were legit or not. I don't think you were sold on them.
1: No, but they, I thought they were better than that. Yeah, sure. And I'm also not sold on the Cowboys.
0: Yeah. I mean, what do we got? What's, what, are the, what are the updated standings here? we still got Dolphins and Bills atop the East, uh, Jets and Patriots one game back. Ravens and Bengals have kind of separated themselves in the North. Yep. Um, Titans are the only really major player out of the, the AFC South. I feel like the same thing about the AFC West. It's really the Chiefs. I'm not sure the Chargers can get it together fast enough now after they lost last night. Um Eagles, they're 9 and 1. They didn't look great.
1: Yeah, who would have thought the AFC East and the NFC East or excuse, yeah, AFC East and NFC East would have been this good.
0: Eastern standard time. I, I hate you.
1: What? Yes, Eastern standard time. Other than the
0: Cowboys time. apparently.
1: No, the Cowboys are a good team. Are they are oh, they okay. they're, no, they're not East, they're Central time. I'm almost But positive. go ahead. No, they have to be. My parents live in Memphis, and they're central time, and that's obviously <laughs> yes. east of of Dallas. Good math, thank you. Um, but I I can't fathom it. Like I thought, the AFC West was going to be an absolute juggernaut of a division. Did Russell Wilson forget how to play football?
0: Well, they so I didn't watch that game, but I did see that they had handed over. They changed play callers in that game, and I wanted to kind of see what I haven't gone back and looked at the data there to see if they did anything. But um,
1: I mean, listen, that third down play—they have
0: no players either. All they're—I mean, they're, they're they're pretty banged up. I'm not the, arguing they that. They have the most players on the IR, just for That's the That's
1: fine. That's fine. I'm not arguing that. But, like, Russell Wilson is supposed to be this perennial great quarterback that just made $250 million or whatever, and on third down with a lead in the fourth quarter and the other team having zero timeouts, scrambles out to his right on third and whatever and throws a ball that did not land within five feet of any wide receiver. Like, you've got to be smarter than this, and even if worst-case scenario – Just run and slide. Just keep the clock running. You just gave them a free time stoppage, and it wasn't like it was a valid attempt that the wide receiver barely missed and was out of bounds. Like, I don't know who the throw was to. I watched the replay and I don't know who he was throwing the ball to. I don't understand that this is Russell. It's not Tim Tebow we're talking about, it's Russell Wilson. This guy's supposed to be very good, and he just crumbled.
0: Yeah, I mean, I said everybody hits a wall at some point.
1: I guess so, man. It's a good thing he got that money before he hit that wall.
0: Um, let's see, anything else? And he uh, is a
1: corny, corny dude. Broncos nation, let's ride.
0: Buccaneers? Are they, wait, are they play tonight?
1: Is that who play? Who plays tonight? Niners, Cardinals. Oh,
0: Niners, Cardinals. Well, that's what I was gonna kind of. So for the Buccaneers, they, they must Bucks must have been off this week. Um because they have only 10 games. Everybody else has 11. But anyway, so they're still atop the, a- the NFC South. And then, yeah, the NFC West, I'm still kind of holding out that the 49ers are going to overtake and win this division. I feel like that's inevitable. No? Seahawks, they're one game behind the Seahawks. Inevitable Actually, yeah, is half a
1: strong game. word, but likely I would go with.
0: If they win tonight, they're in first place. And Yeah, I
1: think it's likely. I think they're okay. a better team than the Seahawks, clearly. I think they're,
0: yeah, I think they're the best team in that. that I, I'm surprised the Cardinals are as bad as they are, but... That is what it is. So. Well, they were missing
1: DeAndre Hopkins for the yeah, first six. Yeah, and,
0: and it, you know, he's been good since he's come back, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Any other uh, big – no, I don't remember anything, big takeaways from the weekend of the NFL or any other thing, sports in general. You?
1: Anything noteworthy? No, nothing I don't crazy. think so.
0: All right, well, let's switch gears then and talk about, I don't know, space weather? Sure. One of my uh, favorite things in the world to talk about here. Man, my technical – Thing back here is just not good so i apologize to all those playing along at home with the videos here but um pink auroras uh mr he- are you familiar with the aurora borealis in general yeah no yeah you know the, the northern lights sure northern that's another same term for the same exact thing aurora, why, borealis.
1: Smart. why can't you just call it northern lights? i don't
0: know because i i titled the article pink auroras and not pink northern lights right so that's why i stuck with it all but right. anyway so Anyway, the pink auroras, a rare sighting. Uh, now, I want to, only want to point out one thing in this, so I'm going to read the headline from uh, Space.com. Solar storm smashes hole in Earth's magnetosphere, triggering extremely rare pink auroras. Now, anybody who's paid attention to my off my comments basically, you know, we don't really talked about this specifically, but I've made mention to this many, many times. But our Earth's magnetosphere is weakening, Mister Hughesung. Sure, uh, and has been weakening uh, significantly more over the last few decades, um, as they measure such things. So this is on November third. A solar storm caused a temporary crack in Earth's magnetic field. The result, the resulting hole, enabled energetic particles to penetrate deep into the planet's atmosphere and set off extremely rare pink auroras. So. Most people are familiar with, like, the greenish-yellow, maybe eventually a little bit of a purple kind of thing in the Northern Lights Aurora Borealis. So these ones, and I have the picture here shown, and I know Mr. Houston can't see it at home because, again, technology uh, lacking here in the studio for Mr. Husson, but uh, bright pink and yellowish uh, auroras. So my contention is, is that not necessarily a crack in the magnetosphere is causing these pink auroras. It's a weakening magnetosphere, and they... You know, I'm going to play tin hat here, and they call uh, it a cr- they call it a crack, but really it's a it's a it's a inevitable thing. Like the magnetosphere is weakening to a point where we're going to see more and more of this, and there are a bunch of other things that go uh, not good things that go along with a weakening magnetosphere, and this should serve as a warning. A sign of things to come more than just something pretty in the sky so I just kind of wanted to all of our friends in Norway all of our viewers up in the Scandinavian regions as they see these as they see these pink auroras they should uh, uh, they'll be the first to know that something uh, might be happening here in the in the, in the for a problematic for uh, humanity so for all of us playing at home as well when you see pink auroras sure they're pretty but are probably catastrophic in the long run. So there's that.
1: You're so uplifting.
0: I figured I'd get out of the way early in the show and be like, Just Hey, move, yeah. we're all going to die. No, we're not. We're not all going to die, but some are, I mean, some will for sure.
1: I guess that's not true. We are all going to die. eventually. Well, that's true. <laughs> so we're gonna, how grand do you want to take this, uh, this, this scheme? Yeah. But I'm not trying to be like the Usain Bolt of dying. That's not my goal. Like I, I I'm not trying to get on any um, faster track. But I do think, uh, for those playing the game at home, there's a show on Netflix. It is called Ancient Apocalypse. Graham Hancock does it. It's a very uh I don't want to call it watered down, but it's a it's a very ten thousand foot overview of his hypothesis of look
0: an easy to digest yes. version of the calamities that have possibly happened over the the course of human history and his take on it right yeah
1: correct so his his big thing is that there was not uh, life did not evolve the way that the main the way we were all taught like you know there was an ice age we came out of the ice age and we developed uh, as hunter-gatherers for thousands of years and then we developed farming agriculture and then our society continually evolved he has the hypothesis of there were already advanced civilizations building tremendous structures at or before the ice age and he gets dismissed wildly. Except now they've discovered a lot of these megalith structures. Göbekli Tepe, Göbekli Tepe, and a couple others that around the world that there's just.
0: Kadung Padang, <laughs> I know them all.
1: I know you do, <laughs> but it lays out the evidence of like, look, you don't have to say it's all right, but you can't, you can't tell me that a bunch of hunter gatherers figured out how to build. Go back, tape. Like, it's not possible. They, they, just, they had to have more knowledge than what the mainstream historians view them as having. And, of course, now it seems fairly obvious that he might not be entirely correct, but he's probably right. But the guy's been going at this since, like, 1992 yeah, trying he's got to point a, this out. Uh,
0: Fingerprints of the Gods is one of his early yep. books. That might have been the first uh, species one. Species with Amnesia. Yep. So these one. are all, they revolve around the same idea that you just laid out there, that there was a global civilization... Advanced, not like in a sense where people are, you know, spaceships and whatnot. Advanced, but like there was clearly global trade and global communication, and there was things happening that, in the conventional theory of human history, never existed. Right, there was no way they could get across the ocean. There was no way that these these civilizations knew each other. Any coincidences um, or any similarities between the civilizations were just coincidence, and there was no kind of interaction. And so. His assertion is, and you know, we've talked about this a little bit here too, uh, mentioning Randall Ca- uh, Randall uh, Carlson, Carlson, and when we talked with uh, George Howard with the, uh, yeah. the the younger Dryas there, that the coastlines were much different at the end of the or you know before the end of the last ice age. So there was 400 feet of water that rose around the world, basically flooding out any civilizations that would have been on the coast. Very popular places to live even today. Um, that no longer exists, right? They're all under the water. So I find, you know, I find the whole thing, ancient civilizations and lost civilizations, just fascinating beyond belief. So it's, a uh, uh, something that
1: it's making me want to study astronomy. It,
0: so I, I've joked that I was going to go back and like do geology, like be just like kind of know some of the stuff just so I could kind of, you know, there was also this self, uh, I wanted to kind of pick at the professor along the way. It's like, I like to do that thing. You know, I like to, Hey, what about this idea? And this like thrown for a, a flummox at the at front of the class. And You're trying to, to, try to make
1: s- your real life just like Facebook. Yeah, I,
0: I did that. I went back to school when I was 30 and I had already, you know, developed who I was. And I did the same thing with professors then about some political stuff back then when they were whatever. So, um, I'm I found it fun anyway, there but anyway, so I would love to do that with a geology professor or maybe an astronomy professor. Um, astronomy seems out of my league to be honest with you, but, um, I would love to kind of throw some of these alternative theories at these professors and just see how they handled it. I guess I don't know. Where.
1: Right. I mean, listen. Some of this is very, very odd. So I would encourage everybody to watch it. It's very fascinating. It's is very it a one?
0: Is it a whole? Is it a eight, series?
1: It's eight parts. Okay. So it's eight thirty-minute shows that comprise the first season, and it's just it's kind of a high-level view. It's not getting into any nitty-gritty details, but it does talk about how. You know, the, the story of the flood of whether it's Noah's Ark, whether it's whatever uh, religious or, or um, ethnic group, whatever continent you're on. There's a story, like almost the exact same thing across multiple cultures that were around at that time about the humans had become, they turned away from God, had become too reliant on technology. They angered God or the gods and God unleashed a flood from above that wiped out most of humanity of like, man, That's a very odd fable that all of these different cultures all made up simultaneously and all made it happen at around the same time.
0: Now I will throw out there before we move on to the next thing, I will throw out there that our guest, uh, early, one of our early guests, Ben Davidson, Mm -hmm. his theory is that there were two floods, one at the end of the last ice age and what he calls the Noah flood. 6,000 years ago. So he thinks there was actually two, uh, he thinks there was multiple floods. Sure. Um, he has a, uh, A fifteen hundred year cycle where some kind of something happens on the Earth, or fifteen hundred years, but there are bigger ones at the six and twelve thousand marks, and that these are punctuated with floods. So interesting, yeah. So there's more
1: than four thousand BC. So about no ten thousand eight hundred. He basically asserts
0: that you know the Sumerian, the the Hebrew text, whatever is their time frame about 6,000 years is actually accurate, right? Like, so that he thinks that there was an event that happened 6,000 years ago that is described um, by the Sumerians and Noah, but there was also this Atlantis flood that happened at the end of the last ice age. So he thinks there's actually two flooding events, at least two flooding events, and probably every 6,000 years going back there. So um, he has astronomical uh, and astrophysical uh, evidence to those things that he kind of points out to and I'll let him come back on and dis- describe yeah. that, but we'll we'll have to uh, have him describe the difference between those two floods next time he's on.
1: Can I ask you, like you've you dove very far into this, and I probably should have asked you this off air, but what the hell, you're all along for the right. I'm ride. here. Um, in the catastrophism catastrophe cycles, when these comets, meteors, whatever hit, have any ever hit the southern hemisphere? So they're
0: at the younger during the younger Dryas impact. You know during the the Southern searches part for of There, the there are hemisphere. proxies that have found. Um, there's no, not. I don't know specifically like where there's a crater. Like yeah. you can say, he point to it and say, "Hey, this one hit." We're we're, we're going down a little bit of a thing because I'm not sure that comets are actually what resulted. What actually hits the thing? I sure. think there's some things that come from the sun that are basically ejected from the sun, and those are being confused as comets um, during some of these events. But there are indications that the effects at the end of the Younger driest boundary, that there are markers in South America specifically. There
1: are, but I looked at it, and it's right above the equator. Yeah, and that's my question, is if you go far enough south, do you still, is, is it only, and that would explain why Africa still has all its megafauna and nothing in the northern hemisphere has megafauna any longer, of, all right, if this is where they hit, how is it that... It- I mean, there's,
0: def- there's definitely some meteor craters in Africa, though. I'm yes. Pre- I'm yeah, pretty but sure. But not, like,
1: not the devastating ones that you're talking about. With and, not,
0: and again, at the risk of getting really crazy here. So in Ben Davidson's hypothesis, the crustal shift of the Earth basically has a 90-degree tilt and then a 90-degree 90 90 degree back. So he thinks that there's pivot points, specifically maybe around the Giza Plateau, that when the Earth shifts, that... The, the pivot points don't actually, you know, you're, they're not moving. So there's no really cataclysm happening at these. And he asserts that the Giza Plateau might be one of these pivot points that where you're going back and forth. But there's, So there's no, there's stuff happening in Africa when that's moving like that, sure. but it's not the same kind of destruction that's happening in, in other places in the earth, yeah.
1: Oh, I was just curious. Yeah, I, well, I started thinking about it because when they put up the map of the Younger Dryas and I saw where it all was and I was still looking at it going, wait a minute it is all and that would explain a lot of we don't get any of this by the way for you listening this is what the show was originally supposed to be was us (laughs) discussing wild ass conspiracy theories that nobody else was talking about and then instead our government went insane and the world lost its mind we had to talk about modern events and news because that became the conspiracies
0: yeah yeah no for sure and like i said i you know, I try to absorb as many different aspects. So like Ben Davidson's version of history, Graham Hancock's, Graham Hancock's is more in line with George Howard's and um, you know, Ben thinks there's more uh, space influence over this. Whereas uh, these guys feel it's more geological. Like I would say comets, not that that's not a space thing, but it's a different, different kind of catastrophe that what Ben's thinking of anyway. So um, I think this is related and I'm not going to, I, whatever this is a, a quick abolish the fbi version fbi and air force raid area 51 researchers home all my laptops phones memory sticks cameras drones and other items were seized so this ufo reacher researcher george anu i'm pr- assuming i'm pronouncing his name right george but it's spelled uh different um he operates a website called Dreamland Resort, and apparently it was uh, raided by the FBI because he was uh, disseminating information that they no longer wanted him to disseminate, I guess.
1: Under what pretext was the FBI Well, that's what I'm saying.
0: He doesn't it. even know. Um, oh, this guy still, the, the guy, George Anru, still he doesn't, under, doesn't know, hasn't been told what exactly they stole everything for, so... um I figured I would just draw this to our, I was going to bring this up last week, but we had so much shit going on that I just figured I would just move it to this week. But, um, so this happens, uh, I don't know. I don't have a date here, but, uh, this is basically, uh, uh, I don't know, overreach of at least a minimal proportion here. This seems, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe he has something sensitive that he's been releasing, but if so, how did he get it? Um, I don't know. If you guys want to check out his stuff, though, but go to dreamlandresort.com, and uh, I don't know, maybe there's a way to support him there. But I feel like the FBI has bigger things they could be worrying about than this dude's house,
1: you think? Uh, I would hope so, if yeah. we're being completely frank with each other. Yeah. Uh, the idea that this this is, you know, still America. And yeah. This is where I mean about being politically homeless, of like, can I just be a fan of individual rights across the board and not trust the government to to actually respect those rights without proper constraints. So every time we look the other way when something like this happens, it only makes the state bolder. And they just keep growing. Um, And the FBI is using what I would call are supposed to be exceptions to the rules that have been carved out. Like you're supposed to do it this way, but we understand there's sometimes with terrorism or in pressing issues, you can use other, other shortened Methods and now they're just using these as commonplace. Like, the, if, as soon as you grant somebody emergency powers, everything becomes an emergency. Yeah,
0: oh, you've seen that. I mean, and that's terrifying. Your girl, Hokel, declared an emergency for your snow.
1: I mean, you know, it's not- that was the only
0: emergencies we used to be uh, uh, like familiar with out here these days were snow emergencies. But,
1: yeah, uh, listen, you remember what the, the story I just brought it up again. I sent you the story about the DEA's most corrupt agent. Yeah, oh my, you got to share this article. I know we're not talking about it today, but I, I'm going to tie it in. Like this guy was running to like World Cup games on the government's dime. He was hosting parties with a bunch of drug lords, and he was calling and hookers. Everything. And oh yeah, lot, lots of lots of women of the night, lots of ladies of ill repute in this guy's life. But they tried to get his brother. Or maybe it was another person. They were trying to get this guy's brother to testify. Now, the brother went to a party or two. There's no doubt about that, but they don't allege any wrongdoing. They don't allege that he's ever engaged in any high treason or anything else, but they want the brother to turn evidence on the suspected um, guilty party. And so their method for doing that is legitimately to hold him in civil contempt. He's sitting in a jail cell. He's been in a jail cell for months because he won't give them the evidence they want. Like, what? That's that's not why that rule's there. That's not a thing you're supposed to do. You don't, you don't get to do that if you're a law enforcement officer. You can't just throw somebody in prison because they won't talk to you. Well, I mean, apparently you can. Apparently we can. <laughs> like, what in the... That's why whenever somebody talks about all oh, these third world countries with these banana republic governments, like... Uh, how far away do you think we are from that? Yeah, because I, I we're I'm not, not sh- there. Please don't misunderstand yeah. me. But
0: there we're are. Not that far I'm away. guessing there are uh, enough chunks of our government that are already there that you know we're we're almost there.
1: I mean, we got people in January 6th that are still sitting in jail cells, having not faced a trial a year and a half later for ultimately what will be trespassing. And I have I have friends that still call that a insurgency, and they were going to take over an insurrection, and they did all this. I'm like, no, you, they still need a trial. <laughs> this is America. This is this is what we stand for. They're like, well, they 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 lost that right the day they signed on with Donald Trump. No, they didn't. <laughs> I promise you. Like, well, the Proud Boys don't need it. Like, yes, they do. Even the worst people amongst us still are entitled to the same rights and the government cannot be trusted to decide who doesn't does not receive the basic individual rights. It's just not how the government's supposed to work. That's exactly the entire reason our government was formed the way it was formed was because, hey, when you let the central government get too strong, they tend to do really bad things. That's like the one theme throughout all of history that every society can agree upon. If you let the central government get too much authority, they will become corrupt. So we're going to set up a system of government that completely prevents that from happening to the best means of our ability. And then... We lost our way and we went, yeah, it's just more convenient if we let the president just send troops wherever he wants. We don't need a formal declaration of war. Which you know brings us, everything's a, interstate commerce.
0: Which brings us to Paul Pelosi. Um, what? Well, you set that up perfectly. You're welcome. So I just want to update this real quick. We obviously, we talked about this a couple times, a couple different shows. Um, but I just want to point out that the NBC suspended the reporter who basically went and talked to the police. Like and a,
1: reported what the reported police said. what they said.
0: I can't believe he would stoop to such levels, but apparently this. Uh, I mean, other than this guy, I don't know. I saw some personal stuff about this Al McGuire, the, the reporter. Apparently, he's loaded. Like he drives a got a sick ass house and a sick ass car and whatever. I don't As know, most doing, of the doing, corporate press, yeah, are. he's doing okay for himself. But anyway, he's not at MS or NBC right now doing his uh, uh, his job because he's been suspended. Um, but I only bring this up because another report has come out to basically validating that first report that Paul Pelosi answered the door and then walked back into his house towards the supposed perpetrator and away from the police. So I only want to bring this up because I still feel like, and I'm not going to go all the way to your tinfoil hat uh, uh, saying said it was a, a sex tryst or something, but I do believe that Paul Pelosi knew this dude, bro. And they were, He was there, maybe not invited, but when he got to the door, Paul Pelosi knew who this dude was and let him in. Which, I know he has the broken window and whatnot, and all that stuff is there. But there's enough weirdness where either Paul Pelosi was out of his mind, which, again, possible, because his actions don't seem right. Maybe it was a drug deal gone bad. Maybe it was a sex trist gone bad. But I do think that Pelosi, and when this all comes to light, it will be... When? if there will be some connection outside of this incident from David DePape, DePape, whatever his name is. I like Paul Pelosi. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, listen, I'm not telling you it was necessarily a sexual tryst between Paul Pelosi and, is it John DePape? What's his first name? David. David DePape. That's right. I apologize. My apologies, Mr. DePape. Uh, but, as I said when this first, wouldn't that make a lot of things make more sense? I I got good friends, all right? I don't have too many good friends that it would be normal for them to be at my house at two o'clock in the morning. And that's friends. That's not like acquaintances that I met once upon a time. So yeah, maybe. And this is the problem I have with the official narrative that the guy broke into the house and Pelosi then got permission to use the bathroom. Did we ever establish the underwear thing? Is that, that's an accurate statement?
0: So I'm assuming, I don't know about David DePape in underwear. Yeah. I'm assuming Paul Pelosi was underwear because he was in bed, but I mean... All right, but still. I don't have any nefarious reasons to think why Pelosi would be in his underwear. If DePape was in his underwear when this was all happening, then we have another question. Time out.
1: So here's my thing. <coughs> all right, let's put myself in this position of the official narrative. My wife's out of town. She's a very powerful woman. I got security cameras all over the place. I'm a little... Let's just say I'm even sober or drunk either way. My house gets broken into, and it's a guy clearly on a little bit of a disconnect from reality. So, I say, "Okay, listen. I'm going to Where's Nancy? I'm going to I'm going to hit her with a hammer if she doesn't answer my questions." Like, "All right, bud. Look, I I don't have to tell you. She's not here. She's out of town. I, I can't help you with that." Somehow, I talk my way into allow this guy letting me go use the bathroom outside of his purview, and I have my phone, which I don't know how I snuck out with me with only my underwear on, but that's neither here nor there. I managed I get in, I call 911. I I'm worried the guy might still hear me, so I call him a friend on 911. Now, it's not going to be an instantaneous response. All right, it was a welfare check called in by another 911 operator that sent the police officer over to the home. Number one thing that's odd. Well, I guess the number one thing that's odd is I was able to bring my phone into the bathroom and call 911, but still speak in code as if he might hear me that he wouldn't just be pissed that I had my phone in the bathroom and called 911 on him. Okay fine. Number two, I did all that with a dude in my bedroom with a hammer and I didn't bother to be like, Hey, can I put some pants on? Would you mind if I just like, I I got pajama pants. I got sweatpants. I got khakis. If I'm Paul Pelosi, whatever the hell I got, like, Hey, would you mind? That didn't occur to me. I'm just going to hang out in my boxer briefs. Like, what's up, bud? All right. Let's talk about this. No, I'm probably going to ask put pants on, but again, maybe I'm just weird. And then the police finally show up and I go and At at that point, even, I don't say like, hey, would you mind if I just threw some pants on? I walk over to the door. I open the door and the police officers walk in. And I don't take a step back and say, hey, officers, this is the guy. Uh, I don't know what he's doing here, but he broke in. He's got a hammer. I'm not trying to mess around with this. So you guys got to do your thing. No. I say, come on in, officer. And then I walk right over to the guy who broke into my house, who's holding a hammer
0: And I will say, speaking of the hammer, there's still, everybody asserts that when the police, or the police assert this, when they got there, that both Pelosi and DePape had their hands on the hammer, right? They were struggling over the hammer. How did he open the door struggling with the hammer?
1: That's what I mean. Like, I opened the door, walked back over, and tried to take the guy's hammer away from him. Or I walked over with a hammer to threaten him? Why, when the cops are there with guns and tasers, am I still walking in with a hammer? None of this makes sense. So that, on top of all that, now, please understand, I'm the husband of the secret of the Speaker of the House of Representatives. I am the spouse of the third most powerful human being in our system of government and therefore the world because we are the world's number one superpower. I get bashed in the head with a hammer in my own home, in my underwear, in front of two police officers, and they don't shoot him? The hell do I pay taxes for? I, what is the more clear cut? Is it deadly force? Yeah. Yep. Am I in my own home? Yep. Is this crazy person still holding a hammer over me? Yep. Did he already hit me in the head once? Yep. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Listen, I, it's some weird. Don't add up. I mean, you know, we could. Pile on and be like Pelosi, you know, said she's not going to stay in leadership, so maybe she's, uh, you know, getting out of Dodge.
1: I don't care. Like, here's the thing. It's – I made this point at the time. I feel like I'm getting 90% truth and then 10% is a lie. I think there's something you're covering up because none of this actually holds up under the slightest bit of critical thought of like, wait, wait, wait. I feel like Columbo right now. Like, wait, wait, one more question. When you – when the attacker was with you and you opened the door for the police – Why'd you walk back over to the attacker? Yeah.
0: I mean, listen, in the article, they basically like, well, they don't know what kind of mental state or he had already been injured or what kind of mental state Paul Pelosi was in, but doesn't, you're right. It doesn't make any sense.
1: I'm not. And if, listen, if the hammer hit happened before the cops got there, right. All the more reason I'm not walking back over to the guy after I open the door, I just got bashed in the head with a hammer. Like Uh, You can't tell me this makes sense. None of this makes sense. And then they suspend the reporter. And I love the fact that they're looking at people like us like, oh, it's all these same COVID conspiracy theorists are coming out of the woodwork to shit on Paul Pelosi. Like, no, I'm taking your reporting and going, huh? And then you change it and I go, well, that's not what you said before. You're like, conspiracy theorist. Why? It's weird. Uh, It's your reporting that I'm looking at. I wasn't there, but I'm looking at it. And apparently, unlike anybody in the current corporate press, I'm asking questions. and go, wait, wait, wait. I'm supposed to just buy this. Okay, and here's the thing: you could get all of this resolved if you just release the security cameras. You got footage. Yeah. You know what happened. As soon as you say no, we're not releasing the tape. Like, mm. hey, just
0: show me the tape of him breaking the window. At least start there, right? Like that, that, uh, wonderful. the the ex, all the entrances and exits to the building should have cameras on them. Obviously, I'm guessing. So, just
1: show me that one. Show me the dude like crawling through the grass somewhere. Show me something that shows that he actually stuck into the house and shattered a window. And then here's the thing. If a guy breaks into your house via shattering a window, I don't care if you're on friendly terms or not. If they shatter a sliding glass door and come into my house at 2 o'clock in the morning and I manage to get the cops there... I'm not going over to talk to you anymore because clearly you are on a mental break. Mental yeah, I'm standing break.
0: behind the cops. I mean, like there he is. I'm out of right. here. I mean, and that's as
1: any reasonable human being would to be like, um, especially if you're seven, how old's is 82. 82 years old. I'm an 82 year old man. I'm going to go mix it up. Like, Nope. Uh, officers. That's the guy. That's the hammer. I'm out. Peace out. Good luck. The fact that that didn't happen, Like, do you realize the faith you gotta put in Paul Pelosi to believe any other version of these events? Like the the level of trust you have to put in his veracity and forthcoming nature. I mean, we are talking about the single greatest stock picker of all time. So we can't really question the judgment issue. All right, clearly he has demonstrated exemplary judgment at all times. This guy makes Warren Buffett look like a drunk monkey throwing feces at a wall. This guy is the man at picking stocks.
0: All right, well, like I said, hopefully we'll get some update. I mean, nobody's heard from this journalist since. Like, people are kind of making a big deal because this dude's basically gone AWOL since they they took down the report, right? I mean, it was less than 24 hours. He put up this report talking to the cops, the gall of that dude to talk to actual pertinent people in an investigation. Then the NBC takes down his reporting that just outlines what we just talked about, that there was this weirdness that uh, Pelosi re-enters the house after the police get there. And then he hasn't been heard of since, so... Nothing like trying to stoke the fuel and flames of a conspiracy by basically, you know, not giving out any information that would clear your name of a conspiracy. So, I don't know. It's, it is weird. So, I don't know. Ho- hopefully more to come. I'd love to report on it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to die. <laughs> Something I do not wish to report on again, Mr. Uh, or ever, really. Uh, World War III? Ugh. Avoided? Let's hope. Zelensky's a psychopath. For sure. Um, so this is, this story's, I, I joked with you this morning that happened so long ago. We avoided world war three that I almost forgot that this happened between our last show within a week. We basically were going to world war three and then all of a sudden it was like, whoops, we're not right. So you guys, Bridie, know that some missiles, uh, landed in Poland, killed a couple people, Americans, maybe I even think.
1: No, I think they were Polish okay. farmers,
0: Polish farmers, two Polish farmers killed, Everybody blames, including Ukraine and Poland and everybody else is pointing at Russia. And they said it was a Russian-made rocket, right?
1: They said a Russian-made missile, I think.
0: Russian-made missile. So, turns out Ukraine launched this Russian-made missile into Poland, quote-unquote, accidentally. Oops. How do they, I mean, I know we're getting a bunch of uh, arms from the United States. I didn't know they were getting arms from Russia.
1: I don't think they are anymore, but I think they have a stockpile of them. that's not like these things have a quick expiration date.
0: Weird that they were using that one. So,
1: here's my understanding. When they
0: had all these new rockets. So, uh, I think it was an,
1: an air defense missile that Ukraine is utilizing to knock down Russian missiles out of the air, and it went astray, and it got off target, and it landed in the field in Poland. Now, as soon as you heard, Russian missile hits Polish territory, kills two. Your first thought should not have been, oh my God, Russia just attacked Poland. Your first thought should have been, obviously that was either an accident or they didn't do it because keep up with me here if you're russia right and you decide you do want to start world war iii by engaging with a nato country and you decide you're going to launch a missile at them and you know full well that invokes article five of nato when we're about to go to war
0: kill the farmers
1: you launch the missile at two farmers in poland come on guys like nobody went hey wait a minute <laughs> let's, let's all pause. <laughs> it seems seems pretty unlikely. Like, I don't know, if, if Vladimir Putin was going to try to start war with her, maybe he'd go for the mass stockpile of weapons and, and supplies that are being loaded up on the Polish border to be sent to the force you're currently fighting. I don't know. It's probably where I would start, but I am not a military genius by any means. But I, I probably would have started there. Not a single grain silo that two farmers have. Like, the idea that that was the first thing that Zelensky came out and said was, "All right, see, they did it. It's time to go. Get your stuff together." R- Russia fire to Poland, and he didn't get immediately laughed out of the room. Like, yo, obviously, that's not. It's not what you're making it out to be. It's a and it's a tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy that these people, innocent people, got killed it still makes no sense that anybody thought for one minute that that was an intentional act by Russia to engage Poland and therefore the United States and all of NATO into a war.
0: Yeah. And this was, you know, I have this highlighted in the article here, but Ukrainian president Zelensky and Western corporate media rushed to blame the explosion on Russia in apparent hopes of triggering NATO's article five, which requires NATO states to defend one another military when attacked by a hostile force. So this was clearly portrayed by Zelensky and his lackeys in the media as a way into World War III. Like, it's crazy that they were actually talking about this. And at least people, you know, Polish and NATO members, have backed off this and have confirmed that it was, in fact, it was a Ukrainian S-300 anti-aircraft missile. So, yeah. um, Zelensky hasn't backed down. The lizard person, uh, John Stoltenberg, still insists Russia bears ultimate responsibility because, you know, whatever. They're trying to blame Russia for everything. So, I don't know. I the, the faster we get out of this mess, the better. I probably from the beginning has been this here. But this seems to be tiptoeing around dangerous territories. And with a psychopath, like, who knows what this guy's going to do? Like, he seems to be literally doing, he'll do anything he, and say specifically anything he
1: wants to get what he wants. Here's the problem. Vladimir Putin, probably a psychopath. Sure. Zelensky, probably a psychopath. Joe Biden, probably a psychopath. Kim Jong-un, probably a psychopath. Well, before he got dementia. Kim Jong-un, definitely a psychopath. Um, Prince MBS from Saudi Arabia, psychopath. Because the definition of a psychopath doesn't mean it's somebody wild-eyed, raving, and crazy. It's generally just an indifference to human suffering. Maybe sociopath is a better word. But here's the reality. This whole fight in Ukraine could have been over. It could have already been done. We could have ended it. The U.S. could have they go not even negotiated directly just hosted the negotiations and let somebody else negotiate the peace treaty they could have stopped this at any time they wanted to at any given time they could have put an end to this fighting and we've chosen not to because it suits our interests that's it so my issue with this is who does bear ultimately responsibility of course russia bears some responsibility they're the ones who invaded another country ukraine also bears responsibility u.s also bears responsibility all of NATO bears some responsibility, and the fact that we all are just pointing fingers instead of resolving this immediately is alarming, because ultimately we could have had this all gone, and yes, it probably would have cost the Ukraine the Donbass region, and before you start clutching your pearls at the indignity of it all and how dare Russia just take over the Donbas region, point to the fucking Donbass region on a map for me. That's all I want you to do. And tell me a little bit about the cultural significance of the Donbass region. That's all I want. If you can't do that, maybe you don't need to have an opinion on this. Maybe you just should observe because otherwise you're just saying things that sound like platitudes. Yeah, just regurgitating what you hear in the news. Correct. And here's the thing. When the Russian forces took Crimea a few years ago, the entire world went, hey! Okay. And... I'm not telling you if you everybody wants to paint Vladimir Putin as some like raving psychotic warmonger, but that's never been. We've got a long track record of this guy in office. He has been one of the most risk averse conservative world leaders that the world has ever seen. He is not taking big like the main attack on him by other domestic parties in Russia is not that he's stark raving mad and going to go for awards that he doesn't do enough to stand up for Russia against the United States and NATO. That's the main criticism of Vladimir Putin in Russia. It's it's not been his thing. And, all right, let's say you still don't believe me and you want to go and say he's the next Adolf Hitler and he's trying to take over. And if we don't learn the lesson of Neville Chamberlain, then we're doomed to repeat the mistakes. Fine. I think if we've established anything after eight months of war between Russia and Ukraine, Russia does not have a military made for conquest. They just don't have it. Like, if you think Ukraine is really winning and has a chance at beating the Russian army, then you have to acknowledge that the Russian army is completely inept and incompetent, that it could lose to that force in that small of an area, that there is no chance they have any semblance of a hope of taking over any other country. I'm sorry, you can't have it both ways. Because here's the reality. At any given time, Russia could win this war. Ukraine has fought valiantly and bravely, and I feel for the soldiers and the families and the innocent people that are struggling with this fight every single day. But they can't win. Russia is too far ahead of them technologically. Russia has too many people. Russia has too much money. Russia has too many things going for them that the Ukrainians just don't have. And now if you track what's happening... I know the media likes to report how Ukraine keeps winning all these massive battles and they retook a bunch of land. They retook a bunch of land because Russia decided it wasn't worth trying to hold. So they withdrew the troops. It wasn't some glorious fight. It was a brilliant strategic move by Zelensky. I will give him all credit in the world for it. And Russia did expand too far, so they pulled back to the areas they actually care about. And now Ukraine, meanwhile, is starting conscripting Ukrainian citizens over the age of 40. It's not usually a sign that your war is going good. Not usually. And now, all of a sudden, uh, General Milley and Blinken and all these European powers and American powers are like, hey, guys, maybe it's the time to talk peace talks. Again, you don't usually do that when you have the advantage and you're trying to press it. Normally, you're like, if you're in a fist fight and you decide all of a sudden, like, hey, let's talk this out. It's not when you're on top of the guy pummeling him into the ground that you're like, hey, let's figure this out. Now it's usually when you realize you've lost this this strategic or tactical advantage you're like, "Hey, why are we fighting? Let's discuss this." So, it's not going swimmingly well for the Ukraine and here's the other simple reality. War is hell. People die, people get maimed, and not always soldiers, all right? Journalists, civilians, innocent children, like people die in these wars. And for Ever, it was well known and accepted that Ukraine is the most corrupt government in all of Europe, and suddenly we've, we're have we not allowed to say that. For years, it's been well known that the Azov battalion is an absolute Hitler-loving bunch of Nazis, but you're not allowed to say that anymore. Hey, uh, glory to the heroes, glory to Ukraine is all you're allowed to say. None of this means Russia is right. It's not. It's bad guys versus bad guys. It's not good versus bad. It's not good versus evil. It is bad guys and bad guys squabbling over nonsense and throwing innocent civilians to the slaughterhouse to do this. And also, Boris Johnson, you absolute sack of human shit. This all could have been avoided if they were ready to go and have peace talks. And then Boris Johnson flies over to Ukraine back in April and basically says, we're going to give you a ton of money and it's not the time to sue for peace. You understand? And Zelensky goes, okay. Yeah, he's a puppet. He is a puppet. And my God, the money that this guy must be making in those offshore accounts, all of this is documented. We know he has them. I'm not making anything up, guys. Uh, it's got to be insane. Yeah. Because all he's doing is sacrificing his people. Because at any given time, you could just go and say, hey, listen, the Donbas region is basically a lot of ethnically Russian people. You have come in. You've already won. All right, you wiped us out of these things. We're going to fight back. So here's what we'll do. We'll negotiate it out. You want to keep Donbass, Crimea, and Maribel. You can't have Maribel, but you can have Donbass and Crimea. But you have to give us money back for for all of the losses you suffered. We'll agree not to join NATO. And we'll agree to not join the EU for 20 years. And Vladimir Putin doesn't even care if they join the EU. That's not a thing. He cares that they don't join NATO. For the same reason that we wouldn't want a Russian ally out of Canada or Mexico, it would make us nervous. So we want neutral parties. It's not an unreasonable demand. Does it suck that this is the way diplomacy gets done and geopolitical advancements get made? Yep, it does. It's a shitty system. Yeah. But it's the system that we've been operating under for a thousand years. So let's, instead of getting into all of the, oh, let's take a stand and we've got to do something if they hit, hit pol- Poland, what are you prepared to do? well, we got to send troops. Do you not understand what that would entail? Are you so flippant about the prospect for a nuclear war, or war in general, and it generally comes from people who have never fought in one, like the idea that you think this is an acceptable response?
0: Yeah, No, I think you hit on the most important. part. Right? They don't understand what actually happened. They just think it's just, oh, we just go in there and do our thing and get out of there and everybody's happy after, but they don't understand what's actually happening while they're on the ground there. So
1: No, and you don't understand the innocent civilians that are being... Absolutely slaughtered by both sides. Yeah. All right, and if, and if they survive,
0: they're left in ruins. So, right. I mean, and it's, they, now you're the decades average? of of destruction?
1: What is the family in Ukraine going to do when this is over? Like, yeah. what does your life look like? Oh, how many people have just died so senselessly or left the country? Like, what is this going? What does your life look like after this? And you people here in your comfy chairs in America and your nice houses with your little Ukrainian flag and your Twitter profile saying that we've got to send them more weapons and more money. Look, we sent them forty billion dollars. Thirty-six of it went to defense contractors in America. How much have we
0: went to FTX? Uh, Sorry, we'll get to that. It's
1: coming up, folks. <laughs> right. What a coincidence that FTX collapses, and now all of a sudden everybody wants peace in Ukraine. Yeah. All
0: right. Let's. Uh, before we touch on FTX, uh, let me uh, remind all the folks playing at home that uh, we need your help, especially on a terrible, uh, per- terribly executed uh, techno, techno, tech- technological Technological. uh, show that I have going on right here. Very, very uh, uh, underwhelming, let's just say. Um, I could use the help with a little like, share, and all the uh, things that we would need to uh, help promote the, the program, subscribe to the channel, leave us a rate and review. Please help the show out there. So let's touch on a fun subject, I guess or more fun than world war 3. Elon Musk making Twitter great again by reinstating Donald Trump, Mr. Hugh Sung, among others, Project Veritas, Babylon B. Uh so no Alex Jones yet anyway. I don't expect that to be. I the the reasoning that Musk gave is a little uh contrived I feel like. I don't know if you saw he basically said because no, listen, it's not, I'm not trying to this story happened. He's you know he basically points out that he his firstborn he held in his arms and died. He felt heard the last heartbeat. So he is using that experience as justification for keeping Alex Jones off because he doesn't want to hurt kids. And then people he literally pointed out to all the world leaders who are hurting kids on a on a daily basis. So whatever. I mean, no no Alex Jones is not a. A, a deal breaker, but I do feel like he's somewhat of a litmus test for the free speech part, right? Like if you're going to allow somebody on a platform and allow somebody a platform to speak, it should be somebody who you pretty much disagree with adamantly, adamantly, right. And be able to, uh, offset that person's speech with better speech, I guess. So, but anyway, encouraging nonetheless, project Veritas, uh, back on the platform. I think that's, uh, encouraging Donald Trump had said, he's still not coming back. He's holding it all in on truth social. I feel like there's some kind of legal obligation for him to do that for the time being. But anyway, okay. uh, there is no indication yet anyway that he is going to rejoin Twitter. Uh, you know, I think we pointed this out maybe last week that, uh, user activity is at an all time high for, for Twitter. So Elon is uh, continually pointing that out that Twitter is not dead. There is, it's weird. I have this, uh, merging of worlds and for my fantasy life where I pay attention to a lot of fantasy people who use Twitter for sports information right so specifically I'll use NBA for example so these NBA fantasy analysts are all worried that Twitter's gonna go away and they're like I don't know where I'm gonna get my news from and I feel like my Twitter's not going away folks like whether or not there's hiccups, I don't know enough about the technological back to, to assert that uh, Twitter is fine. Uh, but the idea that because of all these people are leaving and I pretty much sure that's what Elon Musk was hoping for. Like, I don't think he was trying to save dead weight. He was trying to get rid of as much dead weight as he can. And, and I'm guessing he would just adjust on the fly and bring in the new people when he needed to bring the new people in. Uh, but he wanted to kind of cut the fat. Right. So, uh, Fat has been cut from Twitter. Uh, tw- you know, People are doing these mass resignations and whatnot. But I don't expect Twitter to go down, again, for any length of period. But it's uh, interesting that all these new people, I mean, the left obviously went crazy when Trump was back on and whatnot. But um, I don't know. What's your initial him,
1: yeah. uh, takes on all these reinstatements? All right, number one, I don't know how this ever happened. Because the employees of Twitter signed a demand letter of Elon Musk laying out what he needed to do in order to make this company successful. So there's not possible that that was not honored. It was a demand letter, Sean. Demand. I mean, $8. It was was not a request. It was a demand that he honor all of these things and not fire anybody. So apparently that didn't work. No. Who knew? Um, Also... Elon Musk, like the stuff that he retweets, is the greatest thing ever for the CEO of a company to be like, yeah. The, the meme from Brokeback Mountain, where he's the one guy and CBS is the other guy, saying like, why can't I quit you? And he's like, ours is a love that knows no bounds. What is? Yeah. What is happening right now? Yeah,
0: CBS uh, paused their. Uh, Twitter activity for all of their channels and affiliates uh, because of uh, Musk takeover for security reasons, but didn't even make it a, a, a day and a half, I feel like. And they were back on Twitter being like, okay, we're done.
1: It's hilarious. Like Stupid. all these, all these, uh, I don't even know. I will, I refuse to call somebody who is anti free speech a liberal. I will not call you a liberal if you are opposed to yeah, free speech. That's fair. Leftist, authoritarian, statist, whatever you want, I don't care. But all these people that are like, oh, we're going to go to Mastodon. They're already leaving Mastodon because <laughs> they turned on each other so fast. It was outstanding. And you're just sitting there like, look, this is what some of us have been pointing out forever. Of you guys are playing this stupid game where the greatest thing you can do is go after somebody else. And it's, it's crappy. It's just a shitty way to live, but this is who you are, whether you like it or not. And you're not consistent. You have no values or ideals to which you actually stick. You have self-interest and virtue signaling. That's it. It's all you got. There's no consistency to it. So you guys can't run a platform. Are you kidding? And look, I don't think Elon Musk is going far enough yet because I'm about as close to a free speech absolutist as you could be. Like, I I think that we need to have everybody. And here's this crazy idea. Now, bear with me. If you don't want to listen to Donald Trump, don't follow him. <laughs> mute him. Block
0: him. You the, can get your litigate rid of all. I'm ball. saying, like,
1: there's all these <clears> options that you have don't have. You have the
0: ability to, to censor any right. content you want on Twitter. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's not like anything's getting forced down your throat. And these people that are, I emailed Apple and Google security chiefs and asked them if they will remove Twitter now that Donald Trump is back. Like, so stunning and brave. Yeah. Thank Crazy. God you're here to stand up for all of us idiots who can't figure out how to mute Donald Trump. Yeah. And, I, I, again... It makes no difference to me. I am just opposed to the inconsistencies of if you're going to tell me you can't have these people on because their ideas are too dangerous, but you have world leaders that have committed absolute atrocities on, I'm going to ask you where your line is. Yeah, And that's my problem. And this is where the best answer to speech is more speech. The best disinfected is sunlight. If you're a horrific human being, I would rather know that. I would rather let you share your opinions and views so that I can look at them and go, ooh. I don't want to be near you. I completely disagree with you. That doesn't mean I want to silence you. By all means, keep talking. Like, well, what if he corrupts other minds? Well, then those minds were probably stupid to begin with, and we're going to be corrupted by something. But I have some level of faith, I know it's probably misplaced, in most human beings to say, look, you can make your own decisions. You yeah. can most people who,
0: and most people who end up corrupted, who figure themselves out after the fact, like, they're better people. They don't get They don't get. You know, they don't fall forward again, no. right? So it's, it's sometimes it's a good path to go down for
1: people. So. Right. And sometimes you just got to get it out of your system. Hey, you, you went all in. I, listen, yeah. It happens. We all, we all have those blockers and those blinders that allow us to go down this. And this is the point of everybody acknowledges that the media misleads people. All right? It's like a 90%. If you ask that question on a poll, 90% of people will say, yeah, the media misleads people. But if you ask the question as, are you misled by the media? You get like 80% of people to say no. Like, yeah. oh, no, not me. And then this but, is the arrogance of humanity of like, we all think we're the smartest person in the world. And same with Twitter of Elon Musk came out. I was like, look, we're going to let everybody talk. And these arrogant people are like, oh, uh, you're going to corrupt these idiots with the MAGA hats on who don't know any better. Like, why do you think you're smarter than these people? What what makes you think like you're, you're a Joe Biden supporter? Like he's some beacon of virtue and, and beyond the pale of corruption? Come on. What are you doing? So... Make Twitter great again. God bless Elon Musk right now, because this is hilarious to watch all these people melt down yeah. in real time.
0: I did unsubscribe from my Twitter blue.
1: Did you? Yeah. You're not verified anymore?
0: Uh, I was never. Well, I never actually got verified, actually so I did have the edit you, feature huh? for that time, and I still do technically right now, but I guess uh, at the end of the month that will go away, because I'm going to wait until I figure out if I want to subscribe.
1: I'm not giving Elon Musk $8. You have enough money. Leave me alone.
0: All right. So let's touch on the last thing here, which... Pretty much is going to revolve around this one article here: the COVID crypto connection, the grim saga of FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. As you know, we talked about this uh, last week. The FTX collapse, the exchange, uh, the fallout continues. This is an article in the Brownstone Institute by its founder Jeffrey Tucker, libertarian, by the way. Just so you know, I've, I don't think I've been—I don't think I've ever been in this. Uh, maybe I have been in the same place with Jeffrey Tucker, but I never met him. Jeffrey, Tucker. I
1: like the libertarians. Yeah, tend to so so agree with them on a lot of stuff.
0: He's, uh, he's quite the character within the Libertarian Party. He's polarizing even within the Libertarian Party. But anyway, so...
1: The party that ran a dude with a shoe on his head as president like four times, that this dude's polarizing? Uh, I mean, in fairness, we didn't elect that dude. <laughs> so he ran unsuccessfully,
0: just for the record. Let me read this first paragraph. A series of revealing texts and tweets by Sam Bankman-Fried, a disgraced CEO of FTX, the once high-flying but now belly-up crypto exchange, has the following thing to say about his image as a do-gooder. So... This is uh, uh, a nod to the woke uh, world here. It is a dumb game we woke Westerners play, where we say all the right shibboleths, and so everyone likes us, right? So this is uh, his assertion that he's been uh, all these platitudes and whatnot that he kind of promotes uh, are, or excuse me, a uh, uh, just a game that he that they play to get everybody to like him. So, but really, what this points out to is that. I want to go down to one of the things that got us banned on YouTube. So maybe this will be the last YouTube episode that we uh, have here, but um, I was looking for this article here, looking for the the quote here, but anyway, so Sam Bankman freed CEO of FTX and how it marries with COVID here. So, uh man he's involved in a lot of stuff this article is awesome you guys definitely should read it here i have it linked in the uh show notes so uh, so please go check that out but anyway regard this here so here's a study uh here it is earlier this year the new york times trumpeted a study that showed no benefit at all to the use of ivermectin Hmm. this is in regards to covid so and it was supposed to be a definitive study. He's like, the study was funded by, guess who? FTX. So why was a crypto exchange so interested in debunking and uh, of repurposed drugs in order to drive governments and the people into the use of patent pharmaceuticals, even those like remdesivir? So do you find it weird that a crypto exchange is funding research papers against ivermectin, Mr. Song?
1: I find it weird that anybody's funding research papers against Fair. ivermectin. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me at all. That's uh, not true. It does make sense. Follow the money.
0: Yeah, right. Well, that's that's pretty much exactly what this is. So um, it turns out that FTX, other than just being a, a, a launderhouse for money from the Democrat Party, was also basically playing a role in COVID. So I don't have his brother. There's an article. His brother, Gabe, Oh, he does mention him here. So uh, his yeah. brother, Gabe, ran a COVID nonprofit basically to try to... You know, get the information out that was, or in our words, disinformation out uh, regarding the pandemic and all the uh, uh, effects that that COVID was having here. So his brother turned into be some kind of facilitator of COVID policy. I'm guessing being funded again by FTX.
1: Listen, FTX is, this story is wild. And I don't think people are paying enough attention to this story because this is crazy. And it is essentially a Ponzi scheme. I shouldn't say definitively. It looks a lot like a Ponzi scheme. It looks a lot like this was just blatant fraud and stealing money from people to launder money for wealthy, connected, and powerful people. That's what it looks like. So they everybody remembers when uh, when Enron went under, and it was mm-hmm. like this biggest scandal ever, and it was just such blatant book cooking. Book cooking? Yeah, that's right. Book cooking by Arthur Anderson. at the accounting firm, and they were just basically pretending they had money when they didn't have any, and they there was complete and utter indefensibly dirty so after that they brought in a guy named John Ray to come in and clean it up and and settle things out for Enron so they also called in John Ray to serve as the next CEO of FTX so that he can get everything cleaned up and at first glance John Ray has put this writing together I believe in a court document where he said quote Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. From compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented.
0: Yeah, I pulled up that article and highlighted that, that you just read there. So, yeah, if the dude who facilitated the Enron restructuring is calling this worse.
1: Unprecedented. Yeah, Not then we, worse.
0: Yeah, we got problems. I mean, they had no board. They had no CFO. Like, the, the
1: the CEO wrote a code into the FTX system that allowed him to go in through a back door and take money out without any oversight whatsoever. Listen,
0: I also read today that the private keys for some of these crypto, like for these wallets, were just being passed in emails back and forth, unsecured email chains. So, if there was a, they could literally could just found, stumbled upon an email and found the keys to the the crypto and just drain these accounts. So, there was no, no oversight by the people in charge at all zero they basically were just trying to extract as much funds as possible.
1: Yeah, this is just this is looking more and more like a absolute ponzi scheme and I the quote I read was like made burn it's 25 times greater than the ponzi scheme Bernie Madoff pulled off. Like this is a level of a ponzi scheme that we've never seen before and this is it's becoming harder and harder and the New York Times writes a puff piece on the guy.
0: Yeah. Well, let me read this one more thing from this Fortune Art uh, thing. All right. So your guy, Ray, there, the CF, the chief restructuring officer, I guess. Uh, Ray notes that FTX does not have an accounting department and that it has been unable to prepare a complete list of who worked for FTX Group as the petition day, the terms of their employment. They have fake employees. They have people they cannot find. The, the whole thing is mind-bogglingly... It's so terrible. The fact that nobody caught this until now is... Seemingly, seemingly, we probably could have just stumbled upon this information and figured this out if we just would have looked. Yeah, the fact that people who were investing billions of dollars into this company couldn't do that or wouldn't do that is like off the charts, mind-boggling.
1: Yeah, it's it's inexcusable. Like, there's no, there is no um, innocent explanation for this. You couldn't run a company this poorly on accident. And the
0: dude, Saint Michael Fried, was just seen like in a convenience store in the Bahamas walk like getting gum or some shit and it, like just walking around in an ftx shirt with no security nobody else all by himself just walking around like the dude is
1: clueless he's completely clueless on oh, life he's insulated is what he is like he comes from that world so him and his brother have this i don't even know what to call it nonprofit called guarding against pandemics phew all right
0: i feel much safer
1: No, number one, if you were going to – let's say you were of that mindset. Would you call – that seems like a weird name to me. All right, it does. It seems like –
0: or like the Patriot Act?
1: That makes sense to me. You want to make it sound cool. Guarding Against Pandemics just seems like it's not a name of a group. It was a forced, contrived name. Now, his mother started a super PAC a couple years ago called – Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap. And then you happen to name your little group the GAP. And I'm like, oh, wonder if that was a nod to mom. And now you guys go around. You put ten million dollars into a Democrat primary race in Oregon. What? So to get some biosecurity expert who has no political experience, but is another benevolent, altruistic wealth guy, you put ten mil into a into a primary in Oregon for you know the Democrats going to win the seat anyway. It's not. It's not a shock. And you put $10 million into that race? That's crazy. And where they put all their money and you know, you try to point this out to people of like, look, it's not just Democrats that got money from this dude, but it's predominantly Democrats. And it looks a lot like it has to do with Ukraine because, like, Ukraine chooses FTX to be the the exchange that they're going to use to make sure people who donate in crypto then can be turned into fiat currency. And then that's how it's going to get to the people in Ukraine to help them. You, just, you yeah. happen to go with FTX? All right. I guess that's not weird.
0: I will say they did have a Republican arm of the FTX donation wing. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Salame.
1: Yeah. The, the vice president or whatever. Yeah.
0: So he he was just donating. Again, I say Republicans in a sense that both of those, they say they're only Republicans donating Democrats, but really what they were doing is donating to the establishment, right? So they were donating yes. to the Uniparty. They were donating to the entrenched powers that be to make sure that they could position themselves they, they had a seat at every one of these every one of these regulation tables all these crazy conferences you know with the likes of Goldman Sachs and such like NFTX were in the same room right they were basically I don't know but given the same weight but they were perceived as having carrying the weight similar to these these major corporations
1: and it was all fake what was the thing he was supposed to speak at on the 30th? Oh, the New York, Times. it was a New York times thing. Yeah. Who like Michael Bloomberg and SBF were supposed to go yeah. speak at this event together. Like this is, this is weight. Like, this is legitimate clout that this guy's carrying around and he has nothing. And there was some people that did realize it. I remember watching a short seller talk about this. I saw the video after this happened and it was him laying it out. Like, there's nothing about this that makes sense. He can't answer basic questions. He can't give you any straight answers on anything about where this money came from or how this money is working. He doesn't understand it. So therefore, I will short every part of this because there's something that's not that does not make sense here and he can't answer basic questions and in my history, that's a red flag. If you can't answer basic questions about where your money's coming from, I, I don't trust anything you're saying. You're hiding something, and that was and so there were people that were pointing this out. But we live in an age of corporate journalism that nobody actually wants to report the truth. We have our our media is essentially propagandists at this point, and that's all we have is we have propaganda and a handful of independent journalists that always get dismissed as conspiracy theorists or Vladimir Putin stooges. And so here's my thought: is look, if you want to go and say, well, look, he wasn't really trying to work with Ukraine; that was never the goal. And here's where the conspiracy theory got started when they did that. And the Ukrainian government did invest some money in FTX, and FTX was taking the money they were making by people donating to the Ukraine and then taking some of that, stealing it out of the accounts, and then donating it to Democrat and some Republican candidates. Like, that's money laundering. That's, that's what money laundering actually looks like in practice. And the counter counterargument that, that Forbes article made was it really wasn't that they were going to pro-Ukrainian candidates. It's that they were going to pro-pandemic response candidates.
0: Venn diagram that for me.
1: <laughs> what's the what's the overlap here between the people that are very much pro, like we need to give the government more power next time there's any type of pandemic and the we need to send Ukraine unlimited money?
0: Yeah. And like you said, they got cover, right? So we you talked about the New York Times puff piece. And let me just pull out this uh, tweet by Trung Phan. Um, he's verified on Twitter, so I don't know if he has $8 or if he's somebody. But anyway. Sounds
1: like he's $8 poorer now.
0: So... <clears throat> Word count, New York Times puff piece on Sam Bankman fried These are the number of times these words were mentioned in the article. Fraud, zero. Enron, zero. Crime, zero. Illiquid, zero. Stolen, zero. Hidden, zero. Criminal, zero. Backdoor, zero. He's getting sleep, one. So the point being is that New York Times wrote this article, to basically throw enough uh, cover at this guy to make it seem like he may have been, uh, you know, acting in good faith, but really just mismanaged or made some mistakes or whatnot. But he like, grew it's,
1: too far too fast. Yeah,
0: this is mind-bogglingly dumb, and like I said, just discredits the New York Times even further. So, all right, let's let, let's end on this one last thing here regarding this. Unless you have something else specifically, I was going to talk about how the the Fed is capitalizing on all this.
1: No, listen, this is crazy and keep looking at this. Find more articles, read more articles on this. This should not go away. This is unbelievable that this was allowed to happen.
0: Yeah. Crazy, crazy. I mean, I mean, to your point, it should never have been allowed to happen here. So, all right. And what do we have to uh, at the culmination of all this? Mr. Hugh Song, New York Fed launches 12-week CBDC pilot program with major banks. That's a digital currency program. Bank of New York, Mellon, Citibank, U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo—all issuing tokens for to settle transactions. Um, and this is this is a simulation, so it's a trial, but it's basically going to allow banks to settle transactions amongst themselves. It seems like a weird time to launch this, right at the feet of a FTX collapse and a hey, digital currencies are terrible and the bane of everybody's existence, and they're going to take down the current uh, economic system and lo and behold the Federal Reserve launches its own digital currency on the tails of all that. So I don't have much yet to talk about this, but I feel like we should put it on everybody's radar and maybe we'll follow up on this as it as the simulation works. But um we have I don't I don't this is not going to be a good thing because it's going to be a centralized digital token. But the worst can say scenario is that they can unplug you from your money at any point if you are invested in their own digital currency
1: now stop it our benevolent overlords would never do such a thing they care about us it's scary jerome powell genuinely cares about me as a human being and an individual and my right to freedom of expression however i see fit yeah it's crazy just I, like joe joe biden does
0: again i don't have much to talk about this maybe you do if if anything but like i just wanted to bring it to everybody's attention that right in the aftermath of all of this collapse that the fed basically just launched their own digital currency
1: um the fed is not a force for good? No. How's that? Like, any, any benefit that comes out of Fed policy is happenstance because it's not the goal overall. Like, I don't know how many things they can get wrong so repeatedly over and over that people just never, ever, ever lose the slightest ounce of faith in them. It's, it's mind-blowing to me. And I remember I this conversation a few weeks ago with somebody who said, uh, was it a good thing or a bad thing to go off the gold standard? And my response was probably both. And he looked at me kind of funny. I said, listen, now you can't argue with the expansion and the economic activity that that has led to probably directly and somewhat indirectly by allowing all of this increased investment and, and exponential expansion of the uh, economy overall. I said, but... The idea that you can have all that with no cost is insanity. The idea that there's never going to be a downside just because it's been good for thirty years.
0: Well, I think what you pointed out was is we had all this expansion, but there's the one thing that would have put it some restraint on it would have been the gold standard. There was no restraints on it, None. so it's run, it's run, it's Crazy. almost run its full course, and right. it's basically on the verge. And of so
1: now we're about to have quantitative. We've got quantitative easing in the last twelve years or so that the. Fed is just throwing more money into the stock market, which has done nothing but exacerbate the disparity between rich and poor. You want to know why the rich people have so much more money today than the poor people? It's not a problem with capitalism. It's a problem with corporatism and a central bank monetary policy, specifically quantitative quantitative easing. That's the biggest driver of of this inequality. And it is a problem. It's not like this is nothing. This is a real problem. But it's going to take a long time to rear its head. So Overall, will it be worth it? I don't know. Maybe it will have been. Maybe we could look back after the destruction and the downfall of all this and say, oh, it was worth it. But the idea that you would be supportive of giving the government the capacity to block any transactions it wants to block of yours simply for whatever reason. Like, I don't understand where the trust for the government comes from. How many times can they tip their cards to you and show you that push come to shove? They care about them and not you. I, I don't understand why anybody would be supportive.
0: Yeah. I, I'm i not. So it's hard for me to get in the brains of the people who are. So, all right, Mr. Husung. Well, we avoided World War Three for another week. Um, we're all poorer, and uh, we're all going to die of a space weather collapse. Anything else you'd like to leave the folks with?
1: Giants might have been real.
0: I think they were real.
1: The hell with it. Let's just go all in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean... You do have uh,
1: another show. Right. Another all right. show. All right, folks. Well, thank you for bearing
0: with us on a. Uh, I'm pointing to the camera as if we have a camera like
1: five times.
0: So, thank you for bearing with us through all the technical, uh, logical uh, ineptitude of my part here. So, hopefully, next week will be a more smooth show, and uh, well, I'm sure we'll have uh, another set of glorious uh, news topics to discuss with you all. So, please like the video, share the video, subscribe to the channel. And we'll see you all again next Monday.